Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, July 26, 2019. And on today's report, I will try to make the case that this current Congress of the United States, the representatives of the people of this nation, the People's House, is perhaps the worst Congress ever. In professional sports, it is currently in vogue to debate the question of who is the GOAT, the G-O-A-T, in that particular sport with the word GOAT, an acronym for greatest of all time. Who is the greatest of all time in the NBA, the NFL, or in Major League Baseball, so on and so forth? No one bothers to debate who is the WOAT or the worst of all time because I suppose it would be in poor taste, but it's still of interest to me. I'm going to apply the world of sports to the world of government and ask the question, could this Congress be the woke or the worst Congress of all time? It seems reasonable to think so, given what has happened since the 2016 election, and especially what has happened in the last few weeks. Here are just a few of many examples for the woke premise. Last Friday, <clears throat> one week ago, the Democrat-controlled House of Representatives voted 236 to 173 in favor of the Equality Act. The Democrats were unanimously in favor of passing the act, and eight Republicans crossed over and voted with them. The Equality Act is another one of those government ideas that government chooses to misname in order to deceive us of its true meaning and intent. The Equality Act actually means the opposite of what its name implies. The bill amends the Civil Rights Act of 1964, to make sexual orientation and gender identity protected characteristics under federal anti-discrimination law. One of the real effects of the bill would be to force public schools to expand female athletic teams to include biological males <coughs> who identify as transgender girls. Every House Democrat but one Dan Lipinski of Illinois co-sponsored the bill. He eventually succumbed to the pressure from leadership and signed on as a co-sponsor. Many people, including many of those involved in women's sports in states where this has already been tried, believe that it will destroy women's sports if it is enacted into law. This bill is a good picture of the fact that the congressional Democrats have lost their hold on reality and have descended into a world of fantasy. Connecticut is already allowing male transsexuals to participate in girls' sports at the high school level with predictable results. Two male runners have dominated girls' high school track since then. Some of the female competitors have described it as demoralizing. Title IX was passed after a long struggle to bring equality to the amount of money spent in public sports on girls' and boys' programs. I certainly had my doubts at the time, but it worked out to the benefit of everyone. The Equality Act, if ultimately enacted into law, will most likely destroy all that and destroy the credibility of girls' sports along with it. Why not just abolish the separation of girls' and boys' sports and have sports where everyone just competes equally for spots on the team? The reason is that it would not accomplish 
the gender blending that is the real purpose of the Equality Act. The good news is that it will have to pass the Senate in order to become law, and that will be very difficult, but it still looks like the wave of the future for Democrats. The Democrats have to keep the radicals in their midst happier, I suppose. The legions of the woke will arise from their slumber, voice their displeasure at their leadership. The second example of why I submit this Congress as the worst ever is constant feuding back and forth with the president. Like children on social media, many of the social media exchanges are based on outright lies and unsubstantiated opinions, just like the kids in our middle and high schools, for example. Yelan Omar, Democrat member of Congress from Minnesota, is also an immigrant from Somalia, which it would be fair to say is a failed state. Currently, about 1% of the entire population of Somalia lives in the United States, a great many of whom are in Minnesota, and therefore it's possible to elect a Somali immigrant to Congress in Minnesota. One might conclude then that she came to the United States for several reasons, and that at least one of those reasons is perhaps that she likes the United States better than she likes Somalia. Otherwise, why would she leave Somalia? Ms. Omar never has a kind word to say about her chosen country, not even that she likes it, let alone that she is grateful to be here rather than in one of the worst, most poverty-stricken, war-torn places on earth. I wish I could tell her. That being grateful is certainly no disgrace. In fact, it's a compliment and a desirable trait. Most of her criticism seems to involve what she perceives to be the racism of the American people, which, according to her, seems to have been inherited from the founding as original sin. I, like the president, don't understand this woman and her attitude. Why come here if it's such a terrible place that should be more like her native Somalia? People grow weary of hearing her rants and criticisms along with the three other members who have joined her as women of color in Congress. These women of color would be Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, better known as AOC. These ladies are all very outspoken in their criticism. Even the Democrat leadership in the House seems unable to restrain them. Disagreement with them on any issue means an accusation of racism for the one who dares to disagree. The interracial catfighting has, for the most part, been restricted to the Democrat Party as House Majority Leader Nancy Pelosi tries to lead her party to victory. In 2020, Ms. Pelosi has the unenviable job of convincing those four women that there are more people in this country than them, that many of those people are growing weary of them, and therefore they are about to make victory in 2020 all but impossible. Ms. Pelosi would, I assume, love to find some way to convince the American people, many of whom are potential Democrat voters, that the four are not typical of Democrats. In other words, she would like to tiptoe away from them as quietly as possible without anyone noticing. Donald Trump, being the kind of psychological master manipulator that he is, refused to let that happen. I assume he wants the four ladies to be the faces of all Democrats. 
and the spokesperson for the Democrat Party in 2020. He tweeted the following, quote, So interesting to see progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from governments, came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world if they even have a functioning government at all, now loudly and viciously telling the people of the United States the greatest and most powerful nation on earth how our government is to be run. Why don't they go back and fix the totally broken, crime-infested places from which they came? Then come back and show us how it's done. These places need your help badly. You can't leave fast enough, I'm sure, that Nancy Pelosi would be very happy to quickly work out free travel arrangements, end quote. That tweet is not the way I would have said it, and Twitter would not be my choice of communication, but it does allow him to speak directly to the people who can then read his words without the real possibility of false interpretation by others. Democrats and the media may falsely report what he said, but people can read it for themselves. The tweet is reasonably accurate in expressing the thoughts of what I would guess to be a majority of Americans of all political parties, but the line about, quote, who originally came from, that applies only to Ms. Omar. My understanding is that she is the only one of the four to have been born in another country and then immigrated to the United States by a strange coincidence. She is usually the one most critical of our new country, and that does tend to make some people want to tell her to go back if she doesn't like it. Perhaps Nancy Pelosi should have said something like, well, that's his opinion. I don't share it, but he's entitled to it. But she couldn't resist the bait he sent for her. Congress normally moves like molasses in January, but within one day, just one day, she had the Congress pass a resolution condemning the president's, quote, racist tweet. I personally did not see his remark as racist. I'll wager that many other people who can read it didn't either. She probably thought it would pacify her four unruly members to pass the resolution, but it won't because it never does. A pacifier will never satisfy when there is whole food remaining to be eaten. When you grovel and appease, it just sends a message of weakness, asking for more of the same behavior. Keep in mind that the Congress has not publicly condemned the actions of a sitting president since James Buchanan about 160 years ago. So it was reasonably unprecedented. The resolution itself was mostly a recitation of the way the country was founded. Who founded it? And most of that part is true. The second part, which draws conclusions about how the nation looks at immigration, is largely untrue and fails to recognize that there exist immigration laws duly passed by Congress back when we had sanity in government. Perhaps Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats have started to believe their own press clippings. There are plenty of those to believe. The New York Times has trouble printing the word Trump without also printing the word racist and hate or hateful. Last Sunday's edition carried an opinion piece entitled The Joy of Hatred, in which the author reported on a Trump rally in which many in the crowd screamed, send her back. Remember, folks, any disagreement 
or adverse opinion is racist and hateful? Could what the Times and the Democrats tell us is racist and hateful be simply righteous anger? I think what I felt and feel now is righteous anger, not hatred, certainly not racism. Americans have always been generous and kind-hearted people to others. But when the others continually show us ill will, continually criticize our founding and our way of life, it gets tiring, the print media especially. Printed the same story over and over unceasingly. We know, but apparently they don't know, that just because the New York Times and the Washington Post say something is true doesn't make it so. In fact, it probably makes it false. Any reference to any obvious fact that reflects badly on a protected group is now defined as racism. This tactic is probably designed to prepare us for when we will no longer be allowed to think for ourselves because our elite betters and our machines will do the thinking for us. While we can still think, I suggest that we do so and we refuse to include every disagreement in the category of racist hatred, that tactic cheapens and waters down real examples, both historic and current, of actual discrimination. I run a large law firm in a large city. I see people all day long, five days a week from all walks of life and from many different racial groups common to our country. When I see people in my office or I run into them casually in the elevator. I make a point of asking people how they are, what their problems are, what they think is wrong, and almost universally they say the same thing. If they would just leave us alone, we would be fine by that statement. They mean that if the television, the newspapers, and especially the Congress would just stop telling us what a dark, racist, hateful, scary place this city is, we would never say, think such things about each other to be true because we all get along just fine. Otherwise, those in the media must want us to think that way in order to keep us divided, weak, and dependent on them and the government. We have to turn our logic and our senses off if we are to be accepted among the legions of the woke because reality is not a permissible state in which to live. Unity is not permissible either because the only thing accepted is a divided state of fear, anger, and despair. A recent poll taken by Pew Research concluded that Americans don't trust the government, the media. They don't even trust each other. A low-trust environment is potentially disastrous. It's a sign of a culture in decline. Finally, folks, these are just some of the reasons that I would vote this Congress the woke. There are many others, such as the Mueller investigation and Mueller's testimony. It's hard to make a case, I guess, when you have no evidence, no matter how determined you are to do it. There are many, way too many, reasons for the time I have with you, but this Congress deserves the award, so it is theirs. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.